Welcome to Letter to Philippi Live, our daily broadcast as we go through Paul's Letter to Philippi, daily in our Monday through Friday study on Letter to Philippi Live, an initiative of Letter to Philippi, a new Messianic Jewish theological teaching organization of which I am the founder, Sean Emsley, and I'll be teaching this class. And we continue our ongoing study through Paul's Letter to Philippi, Letter to the Philippians. And we're now starting into chapter three. We'll be looking at verses one and two today as we continue our study through Paul's letter to Philippi. If you want any more information about letter to Philippi, just go to lettertophilippi.org. You can find out more information about our ministry. You can ask any questions you want of us. You can leave a prayer request. You can watch past class videos. You can purchase our commentary on Philippians that I wrote, which is the base for this class. You can make a much needed contribution as we look to end this year and go on to 2022, we truly appreciate you making a contribution financially toward our work. And also you can find, as I said, there's more information available. We have our first book review up online. We'll be adding at least two book reviews by Messianic authors and also by authors in the academic world focusing on the, the Paul within Judaism the Paul with Judaism school of thought and also how to, to we can draw from what's available in the academic literature to build our understanding of messengers theology for the future. So I apologize for getting started late today. We had some problems with our camera and uh, we got that resolved, but uh, we were less, we were about 20, 25 minutes late. That I apologize, but we will get working on them. Be sure that the camera is working on Monday. So today we'll be looking at Philippians chapter three, verses one through two, in this in this section that, that was titled "Paul's Opponents." And we're looking at well, did call did Paul call his opponents the call his opponents dogs, evil workers? and the mutilated, and was he referring to his fellow Jews, or were there other people that he could be referring to, call, using these epithets of these false teachers he's confronting? So we'll begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our study for today. O oh Lord, you are good. We thank you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for each day you give us to look into your holy word. We thank you for your holy servant, Paul, who gave us this letter to Philippi, that we can look at and learn from and seek to become more and more and more in the Messiah each day as we look into these holy words. We thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for the Messiah who is our life and in whose holy name we pray. Amen. So today we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3 as we continue our study through Paul's letter to Philippi. Chapter 3 begins with Paul's warning against false teachers. Depending on the scholar, you you look you look at from these false teachers were either real individuals threatening the gospel message in Philippi or they were false teachers who could be coming to Philippi now that the gospel message has been spread among those among the Jewish populace so there's there's a debate between between the scholars on these opponents that Paul's warning about whether that they were actually opponents that were in Philippi and we're, we're contradicting 
the message that he gave them, the message of the good news of the Messiah, or that they were potential, potential opponents to the message of the Messiah that could be coming to Philippi, and Paul is pre-warning them as he has dealt with other false teachers throughout his ministry. He's pre-warning the people of Philippi about these false teachers. A fresh Messianic Jewish look at this chapter is important. Consider that the earliest Christian commentaries use this chapter as a polemic against Judaism and Jewish practice, especially circumcision. Most notable are the 4th century homilies of John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom was one of the early church leaders in the 4th century of the Common Era. And he wrote a series of homilies, which in essence was the first, the first commentary on the letter to, to Philippi, the first commentary on Philippians, in a series of homilies. And in that, he set forward the understanding that, that even today in most, most Christian commentaries on, on Philippians, that sees Paul here condemning Judaism, Jewish practice, especially circumcision, as a, as a part of the life of those following the Messiah. And, this, and beginning with, with Chrysostom, and actually even earlier with Justin Martyr, this, 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 these verses that we'll be looking at today have been used as a polemic against Judaism, that Paul here is rejecting Judaism and Jewish practice and telling the Philippians to avoid any connection to Judaism and Jewish practice because of, of the words he says that he's condemning of these teachers. In this chapter, Paul confronts false teaching from, the, from his, his opponents of the good news of the Messiah of Yeshua and rebukes false teaching from either heretical Yeshua followers or one of the many pagan opponents in Philippi who could lead the new Philippian believers away from their faith trust in Yeshua the Messiah. We'll be looking at verses 1 and 2 today, and verse 1 is, is uh, and we'll get to, seems we want, we went on. This is Philippians 3, 1 and 2 we'll read, and then we will look at this verse deeper. In conclusion, my brothers, rejoice in union with the Lord. It is no trouble for me to repeat what I've written to you before. And for you, it will be a safeguard. Beware of the dogs, those evildoers, the mutilated. So we, we start with the first verses, with the opening words, in conclusion. So it appears that Paul is wrapping up his letter at this point, but we will see that, that he is just, he's just continuing his thought out of the second chapter into the, into the third chapter. The first, first verse in chapter 3 is one of the several concluding verses of the letter that have caused much debate. And as we talked about in the introduction to the letter of Philippi, some scholars hold that Philippians is an edited collection of two or more letters that were sent by Paul to Philippi and were, were collated together, were edited together. And to the, the one letter we have in the letter of Philippi, there's those that believe there's two, three or even four letters that were sent from Paul to Philippi that were combined together into this one letter. And, and these opening words in conclusion seem to be, a, seem to be a, a sign to those who believe that there are multiple letters that were co collated together 
either this is a conclusion of one of the letters, one of the two, three, or four letters that Paul sent to Philippi. Rather than the conclusion to one of multiple letters, Dr. David H. Stern, in his Jewish New Testament commentary, suggests that Paul was summarizing a discussion of humility with a warning not to boast. As Yeshua in the Messianic Hymn of chapter 2 represented godly humility, Paul's opponents in chapter 3 represent the opposite of humility, pride. So we see, see that, that uh, according to Dr. Stern, this in conclusion is basically following up to the, the example of the humility and self-sacrifice of the Messiah in chapter 2, the greatest example of humility and self-sacrifice, and now moving into, into him speaking about the negative side of humility, which was pride. And he's confronting pride in this chapter of, of these false teachers. In commenting on this verse, biblical scholar Craig Keener interprets the word kyre, commonly translated as in conclusion, or finally, as a transition between sections within the letter, much in common with, with what Dr. Stern said. Scholar Jeffrey Reed came to a similar conclusion that Philippians 3 is not the ending but a continuation of the letter. In fact, we'll see in chapter 3 a fourth example of selfless servanthood that promotes Messiah-like self-sacrificing humility. Understood this way, we can see the flow of the letter's theme of humility in the example of Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. The example of Timothy in Philippians 2.22. The example of Epaphroditus in 2.29. And now in chapter 3, we'll see a negative example of humility with these opponents. And then also we'll see Paul giving a positive example of humility from his own life. In verse 2 we read, Beware of the dogs, those evildoers, the mutilated. We do not know the identity of the opponents Paul warned about, because he does not identify them by name but only refers to them by these epithets. Most scholars understand the epithets to, to represent Jewish opponents and false teachers. For Paul to call these opponents dogs comes from the notion that it was believed that Jews used this term in referring to Gentiles. This understanding goes back to the early church father, John Chrysostom, in his homilies on Philippians, written in the 4th century of the Common Era. The reference to the, the mutilated, the Greek word being katatome, which most commentators see as a derogative, derogative reference to Brit Malah, ritual circumcision in Judaism, can reinforce the belief that these opponents were Jews that Paul called mutilators of the flesh. Some scholars see the word katatome as a reference to spiritual mutilation, which may point to these false teachers being Gentiles possibly in a recent convert to Judaism, or promoting circumcision of Gentiles. If so, such circumcision could represent both a physical mutilation and a spiritual mutilation. This seemingly negative understanding of circumcision in Jewish practice has led many commentators to understand Paul here in Philippians 3 and elsewhere as being against Judaism and Torah. For example, in the HarperCollins Study Bible at Philippians 3.2, 
A footnote states that the reference to catatomy, which is mutilation, is a harsh rejection of circumcision for all followers of Yeshua. Let me read that again. The HarperCollins Study Bible of Philippians 3.2 has a footnote that states that the reference to catatomy in this verse, the mutilators, the mutilation, is a harsh rejection of circumcision for all followers of Yeshua. This reading rejects the ongoing practice of circumcision for Jewish followers of Yeshua and makes Paul's use of catatome into a polemic against Judaism and to our practice. So as we see from, from the, the uh, HarperCollins Study Bible, which is consistent throughout, throughout uh, Christian study Bibles and Christian commentaries on this passage, based on, on the earlier understanding that we get from the early church fathers like Chrysostom. Understand that Paul here is rejecting circumcision, calling it, ra calling it mutilation, rather than being a holy act for Jews to practice, to show their connection to the covenant with, that God made with Abraham. And here they see that Paul is, is calling circumcision now mutilation and rejecting circumcision for all followers of Yeshua. And that's what, what the, we see from the Harper Collins Study Bible and other commentaries. They see that in this passage, in these words to the Philippians, Paul is completely rejecting the act of Brit Malah for all Jews and for, for all followers of Messiah, but especially for, for, for Jewish followers of Messiah who were held to that, that commitment, to that, that covenant relationship. So we see, so we see that the understanding, which is common in the commentaries of Philippians, and I went through about a hundred different commentaries in Philippians in my research for this class and for the my commentary I wrote. Pretty much, pretty much ninety nine percent of them will, will will say that this is Paul's complete rejection of Jewish practice and especially circumcision. Most commentators see this verse as the, and the following verses. In chapter 3 is demonstrating Paul's rejection of Judaism and Jewish practice. In a refreshing contrast stands Dr. Mark Nanos, the, one of the leading thinkers in the Paul within Judaism movement, the Jewish, Jewish scholar who is one of the scholars to question the credibility of Paul as a Jew, using derogatory language about Judaism and Torah faithful Jews whether within or without the community. It was refreshing to find that, that as I said, in reading all of these, these negative references to circumcision and Judaism among the various, various Christian commentaries I went through, it seems that, that, that uh, Mark Yanos here, a Jewish scholar, really steps back and is one of the few people who actually is willing to challenge this understanding that Paul would call his fellow Jews dogs, evil workers, and the mutilated. And as I said, as I said, this is this is this is a a very a very different view than most commentaries, which sees sees understands, you know, based on, on what we have from the early church fathers like Chrysostom, that Paul here is calling calling his fellow Jews dogs, evil workers, and mutilators. And in in essence rejecting Brit Malah, rejecting the the act of, of ritual circumcision and the the covenant with Avraham for 
for those within the Messianic community. There are those like Bachmel and Boring, biblical scholars who see the opponents as Paul as not actual, but potential opponents. As I said, as I said, we're, we're un, unsure whether these were actual people who were, who were, who were, Paul knew were in Philippi and were, and were teaching a false teaching about the good news of the Messiah and about how these Gentile, mostly Gentile followers of Yeshua, redeemed Gentiles were to live their lives. So there's debate whether they were, they were there at the time or also that, or that he was pre-warning them, knowing that, the, knowing that other false teachers were going around. And we see that Bachmel, who, Marcus Bachmel and Boring, two, two biblical scholars that I referenced here and were important in this, in this study, they, see, they understood that, these, that Paul was preemptively warning these people in Philippi about potential false teachers that could come to them and draw them away from their pure understanding of the good news of the Messiah. These opponents are then potential threats, according to Bachmel, to the growing Philippian community, about whom Paul preemptively warned the Philippians. Whoever the opponents were, they represented an opposite mindset and lifestyle to that of Yeshua, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. As scholar Herbert Bateman wrote, the depiction of these opponents as self-centered, God is their belly, self-gratifying, their glory is in their shame, and worldly, clearly contrasts the self-denying, self-giving, self-sacrificing attitude and life of Jesus and the lifestyles of Timothy, Epaphroditus, and, and Paul. The proposed identities of Paul's opponents, before we move on there, so Paul, so, so we see from, from what we have from, from Herbert Bateman that he's seen that, what, that these, these opponents are directly opposite to the examples of Yeshua, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, and he's calling the people of, of Philippi to understand that there's a true message, there's a true path to following the Messiah, and there is a false path. And there are those, these false teachers are bringing a false understanding, a false good news to them, a false way for them to avoid. So as I said, we don't know who, the, who these people are specifically because Paul doesn't say, you know, name them out that this is this, this such a group. Watch out for these guys. He's he's saying here that he just uses the epithets, as we said, of of dogs, evil workers, and the mutilated. So we don't know the identity of them. We just have these epithets. The proposed identities for Paul's opponents include Yeshua following Jews, Messianic Jews coming to Philippi with a false teaching, non-Yeshua following Jews bringing a false teaching to Philippi, newly converted proselytes, and pagan influencers. Let's examine the evidence for these four possible identities. The first one we'll be looking at is Yeshua following Jews or Messianic Jews coming to Philippi with a message that Paul opposed. And he's warning them about these people who are bringing this false message. The first opponents, the first option for these opponents are Messianic Jews who did not accept the ruling of the Jerusalem Council which we see in Acts 15, and were promoting circumcision of Philippian Gentiles 
that have become followers of Yeshua. These opponents could be the same people that Paul spoke against in his letter to the Galatians. So the first option could be Messian Jews who rejected the Jerusalem Council's message that Jews were to come to Yeshua as Jews, Gentiles were to come to Yeshua as Gentiles, and to become righteous Gentiles without needing to convert to Judaism, without needing to be circumcised, without needing to follow Torah commands, but they were able to come to Yeshua and be fully integrated in the people of God by their faith trusting Yeshua to become righteous Gentiles without having to take on the full life of Torah observance of which the Jews were held to by their covenant relation with God, by the, the covenant that God made with Avraham and ratified with Moses in the, in the Torah. So these, these, the first op option could be is that these were Messianic Jews who were, who were telling Gentile Yeshua believers in Philippi that they had to become circumcised and to follow Torah as Jews. In essence, convert to Judaism after becoming followers of Yeshua. This is they converted from their pagan, pagan backgrounds to being Yeshua followers. Now these false teachers, these Messianic Jews who oppose the teaching of the of the leaders of the messian community and called these these gentiles to now to also become converts to judaism after becoming converts to the way of following yeshua by faith trust as redeemed gentiles most christian scholars understand these opponents were promoting conversion for gentiles who had come to yeshua faith which have forced judaism and jewish customs on gentiles for the first time since the birth of the Messianic community. Messianic Jewish scholars and post-supersessionist scholars would see this as a detrimental to the unique place of Jews and Gentiles within the Messianic community, and certainly counter the Acts 15 Jerusalem Council, which recommended separate ritual responsibilities for Jews and Gentiles. These opponents are classically known as Judaizers, Jewish proponents of Gentile circumcision. Given that from the time of Avraham, the sign of the covenant between the one God of Israel and the Jewish people has been circumcision, and continues to this day, these opponents incorrectly champion the circumcision of Gentiles. If these are, if these are, if this is who the the, the opponents are, they are seek, they are Jewish followers, Messianic Jews, who are telling Gentile Yeshua followers in Philippi that they need to be circumcised and essence convert to Judaism after they have come to Yeshua faith. And we see that uh, in, in, a, in a comment by Schreiner. Therefore, the Judaizers probably concluded from Genesis 17 that circumcision was, was an indispensable sign of the covenant, and thus they taught that unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So Schreiner puts forward that, that what are their motivations of, of these if these were Messianic Jews who were seeking the Gentile Yeshua followers in Philippi to become circumcised and convert to Judaism is, is based on an understanding of that the covenant sign, that the, the sign of connection has always been for Jews through circumcision and that it should apply to the non-Jews who are coming to Yeshua faith. But as we see in the, in the Jerusalem Council of chapter, of chapter 15 of Acts, that the leaders of the Messianic community came to the understanding, came to the ruling that 
that Jews were to live their lives ordered by Torah and were to circumcise their sons on the eighth day. The Gentiles coming to Yeshua faith were able to come as righteous Gentiles, to come as pagans who become righteous Gentiles by faith alone in Yeshua and were, did not need the physical sign of circumcision as was the requirement for Jewish followers. But they were to be able to come to Yeshua faith and enter into the people of God as Gentiles, as redeemed Gentiles now, those Gentiles who have put their faith trust in Yeshua the Messiah. Paul the Judaism scholar, Paula Fredrickson, espoused a unique motivation for those, these Messianic Jews to promote circumcision of Gentile followers. I found this really, really unique from, from, uh, this was from, from, uh, from Fredrickson's book, uh, Paul the Pagan's Apostle, where she wrote, or perhaps some of these apostles prioritizing Israel's response to the gospel as the key event leading to the kingdom sought Israel among the nations, quite literally. Perhaps then, in calling for Gentile circumcision as a condition for entering into the ecclesia, these apostles were in their own minds achieving the reconstitution of the plenum of Israel. With all Israel regathered to the message of the Messiah, the kingdom would finally come. According to Fredrickson, these promoters of Gentile circumcision were seeking to make the Messianic communities more Jewish by having the Gentile male followers be circumcised and all Gentile followers become Jews. Understood this way, according to Fredrickson, these proponents of Gentile circumcision were seeking to reclaim the Jewish nature of the Yeshua movement that had become mostly Gentile as the message of, of the Messiah had gone throughout the Gentile world. They were seeking to, in essence, reestablish the Jewish nature of the Yeshua movement by having the Gentile converts to following Yeshua, also become converts to Judaism, in essence, increasing the Jewish majority of the Messianic community now by having all people who are following Yeshua become Jews. In essence, in essence, having, having all the Gentiles who are coming to Yeshua faith also convert to Judaism, in essence, to reestablish a, a Gentile majority and in the Messianic community which was an interesting comment, cont idea that I, I had never considered before, but this was something that, that uh, Fredersen brought out, brought out in her book on Paul the Pagan Apostle, Pagan's Apostle, that these, these false teachers could have been seeking to reestablish a Jewish majority in the Messian community with Gentiles coming to become Jews. So in essence, all of the, seeking to have all of the followers of Yeshua either Jewish by birth or Jewish Jewish by choice by becoming becoming Jews after they put their faith trust in Yeshua so as to have a Jewish majority for the Messianic community. This concern to reaching all Israel included many, many including turning Gentile Yeshua followers into Jews via conversion, allowed for the false teachers to seek circumcision of Gentile followers to make the movement more Jewish. So looking at this, what Ferguson put forward, as she understood the a motivation of these false teachers could be seeking to 
to to reclaim a Jewish majority in the Messian community as the the message was first given to Jews, the first followers of Yeshua were Jews, and the message of Yeshua began to spread in as from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now it's in the uttermost parts of the world. And there are more and more Gentiles that are making up the majority of the body Messiah. And these false teachers could be sent could be seeking to re return to the Jewish majority by having these Gentiles convert to Judaism after coming to Yeshua faith, and in essence building up the 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 populace of Jewish followers of Yeshua through conversion by both the Jews by choice and the Jews by birth. Paul here was not giving a polemic in Judaism or Jewish practice, but was condemning a false teaching that Gentiles needed to become Jews to follow Yeshua. Paul rejected the false teaching within the Messianic community. He, 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 Paul here, if these people were seeking to have Gentiles convert to Judaism after coming to Yeshua faith, Paul was confronting that, confronting that false teaching that Gentiles were not complete in their faith trust in Yeshua by becoming followers of Yeshua, and that they needed to be, con be converted to Judaism, to be fully apart, or to, as I said, to reestablish to re a Jewish majority of Yeshua faith. Pa Paul himself was circumcised, and he'd also circumcised the adult Timothy for the beginning of their mission to bring in the gospel to Macedonia. The problem with Gentile circumcision for Paul was his opposition to the false teaching Yeshua-believing Gentiles must undergo circumcision for inclusion in the community, and also that Yeshua faith was not sufficient for Gentiles, and he is supplementation with circumcision, a false teaching the Jerusalem Council had already ruled against in Acts 15. So here we see the, the first option of who these false teachers are, and this is this is a broad understanding among scholarship that these these ones that Paul's opposing were Messianic Jews who were seeking to have the Gentile Yeshua followers in Philippi also convert to Judaism after coming to Yeshua faith to bring about a, a, more, a more Jewish Yeshua movement by having Jews by choice join the Jews, Jewish followers of Yeshua by birth. Secondly, we come to the issue, come to the possibility of it being non-Yeshua following Jews, Jews from the larger Jewish community who are coming to bring a false message and, and a message trying to draw the people of Yeshua who came to Yeshua faith in, in Philippi away from the, the clear understanding of their new life in Yeshua. Lucy and Paul's first visit to Philippi in Acts 16, that the Jewish community was not large enough to have a synagogue. Paul opponents would like, not likely have included members of the Jew, local Jewish community. And we come to see from, from historical records that it wasn't really until the, the 4th century that there was actually a synagogue, 4th century of the common era, that there was a synagogue in Philippi. So that it appears that there really wasn't, that these opponents really more likely were not from the local non-Yeshua following community because there really wasn't, wasn't much of one. There wasn't enough enough uh, Jews to actually have a synagogue until, you know, until over 300 years after, after the time of Paul's writing this letter. So for the most part, we can, we can exclude 
it being non-issue of following Jews who were seeking to bring a false message to these people in Philippi. Our third option, this is newly converted proselytes, that they were that those who would, who, would ne- who would recently converted to Judaism were telling the Gentile converts who were holding that they were part of the people of God by their faith trust in Yeshua that they had to be circumcised to truly be a part of the people of God and that that these, these proselytes could be basically saying, you know, we've been circumcised, we're, we're, we're more in, the, in faith because we are more connected to the Jewish people and more connected to Jewish faith because of our physical circumcision. And Dr. David, under, David Stern in his commentary of the, the Jewish New Testament comedy understood of Paul's opponents the Gentile converts to Judaism who were expressing pride in their circumcision. And pride is circumcised Gentile Yeshua followers and Philippi compared to the uncircumcised Gentile followers. These proponents of circumcision were seeking to convince those at Philippi that they would have a higher status as Yeshua believers by their circumcision. Moving beyond being righteous Gentiles, they would actually be, be Jewish followers of Yeshua by conversion. And this, this could be the, the, the source of the false teaching. This is what, what Dr. Stern, Dr. Stern sees as the, the possible opponents, as those who are Gentiles who are circumcised and see themselves as more in the body of, of the Jewish people, more connected to the Jewish, Jewish people and, and have a higher status than those who are just who had just come into the people of God through faith in Yeshua. Beyond violence, the Jerusalem Council's ruling, Gentiles not need to become Jews, but could be full members of the Messianic community and grafted the people of God as Gentiles, becoming redeemed Gentiles. These opponents were also expressing pride, the opposite of humility, pride in, in that they had been physically circumcised, they had converted to Judaism, and they were they were more in the people of God because of their circumcision, and they were expressing pride in that. And Paul, Paul, as we see throughout this book, is confronting pride and showing that the the focus of our life should be on humility and the self sacrifice of our Messiah Yeshua. The fourth possibility, which is which is which is uh, not usually covered, is it's usually followed that, that this is. The somehow Jewish related, these false teachers with a Jewish related message. As we said, Dr. Mark Nanos, the, the, one of the leading thinkers in the, the Paul within Judaism movement, the Paul within Judaism school of thought, challenges the identification of Paul's opponents being Jews, Yeshua following or non Yeshua following, or recent converts to Judaism. Instead, put forward these opponents are from local religious cults and philosophical philosophical groups. This is the cynics who were local to Philippi. These local cults and pagan influencers posed a challenge to the Gentile Yeshua followers in Philippi who were navigating their new life as followers of the one God of Israel and living in a Jewish subgroup, the Yeshua movement, or remaining non-Jews. As a faithful Jew, Paul would not oppose Judaism, but he would speak against pagan or cultic false religion. It would make more sense for Paul to refer to pagan religious customs and those practicing them 
as dogs, as evil workers, as those who are mutilated, rather than referring to his own Jewish people, which we see, see in, in Nanos, would be contradictory to who Paul was, that he, Paul would not refer to his own Jewish people using these epithets, but would refer to pagan religious practices and pagan groups as dogs mutilated and evil workers. Scholar Herbert Alonska, cited by Nanos, understood the opponents of Paul as pagans castrated in one of the various, various cults in Philippi who thought their castration was like circumcision and would allow them into the Messianic community. Nanos noted that one of these possible pagan influences that Paul may have warned against was the Sibylli cult, which in practice met all three of Paul's warnings. We read this from uh, from Ninos's, uh work on Corinthians and Philippians. A newly developed festival introduced Attis, Sibylle's consort, Sibylle being one of the one of the gods worshipped in Philippi, who bled to death after castrating himself for Sibylle into the Roman cult on the day of blood. The the Gali, the eunuch priests of Sibylle, flagellated themselves while engaged in frenzied ecstatic dancing, while initiates castrated themselves with a shard. Castration of Gali would present a clear case of mutilation and of figures whom Paul would likely regard as evil workers, perhaps even as behaving like dogs in a derogatory sense, if not so specifically involving dogs or dog imagery. So we see from this, this quote here that, that Paul had, that, that uh, Ninos, Ninos makes, speaking of, speaking of uh, the Sibylle cult, which could be the, the, the opponents that Paul is talking about, the, the pagan influences, seeking to draw those who were, were from pagan backgrounds back into the pagan fold of Philippi, either believe Yeshua faith, or as we, we talked about the, the mixing of religions, in, in Philippi, the syncretic mixing of, of, of some, some part of, of Greek faith, some part of Roman religion, the various religions melded together, that there might have been those who were seeking to, to say, well, why didn't you also, along with being, being this follower of this Yeshua, and also look into being part of the Sibylle cult? We see that in this, in this reference to the, the, the festival festival to uh to uh Sibylle, the goddess Sibylle, and the introduction of Addis, this 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 uh we see we see all of the three epithets that Paul was using in the in this verse being referenced by the ac activities in this in this festival to Sibylle. We have we have those acting acting like dogs that they were that they were ecstatically and and frenzied activity you know they were they were evil workers because they were involved in pagan worship plus they were also involved in castrating themselves and and performing rituals to this pagan god and by their circum by their by their their uh, castration it's clearly mutilation more than more than just removing the foreskin they actually were were uh, removing their their whole 
their whole organ that they were actually actually so we can see that that here that clearly that, that these these phrygian worshipers were acting like dogs they were involved in in evil work and they were also involved in in mutilation by castrating themselves in the worship of this pagan deity so we can see that that paul could be referring to the sibylle cult by the epithets dogs evil workers and mutilators they clearly in this this act of worship to sibylle they they acted as dogs they per performed evil acts and they clearly mutilated themselves by their castration other pagan influences in Rome included groups that used dogs as religious icons in the worships of Sylvanus, Diana, and Hecate, and groups that used dogs in sacrifices and magical rituals. One group, the Cynics, was even known as the dogs. So we can see that there are many different, different pagan groups that could, also, that could also fit this concept of dogs, evil workers, and the mutilated, of which we see clearly that the Sibylle the worship of Sibylle included all three of those epithets. So the new Yeshua followers in Philippi they continue to be accepted in Philippian society. They may have been tempted to adopt a common syncretic way of worship and add either former pagan rituals or new pagan ways into their new Yeshua faith. As I said, the, the syncretic worship was, was, was very, very prominent in Philippi, the mixing of different different religions and, and gods and worship. So there was concern that these people in Philippi would be drawn away from their pure faith in the one God of Israel and would seek to add in some of these pagan rituals along with their Yeshua faith. Being influenced to convert to Judaism by either Yeshua-following Jews, non-Yeshua-following Jews, or Gentile convert Judaism would not seem to bring the new followers of Yeshua in Philippi any advantage in Philippi, especially considering Paul and Silas's imprisonment recorded in Acts. If the false teachers had some higher status in Philippian society, it does not appear the Jewish identity would have been helpful compared to one of the pagan options. So if these if these if these false teachers were seeking to offer a higher status in Philippian society, as we see that in the in the poor treatment of Paul and and Timothy and Silas when they first came to Philippi, there didn't seem to be a respect for them as Jews. So it wouldn't seem that these that these these people, if they were offering a higher status in Philippi, would be would be presenting Judaism as an option. But a pagan option like the Sibylle cult would clearly be a way for them to be more connected to Philippian society and would have a higher status as they were now separated from society by their faith trust in Yeshua. As they had stepped out of their family traditions, their their society's traditions and even even their civil life as they were as I said where they were accepting Yeshua as Lord and rejecting Nero as Lord. They would now if there was any advantage for them, it would be from one of the 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 pagan religions of their past or a new pagan religion, rather than any any false teaching that they could could adapt about Judaism to live but Paul calls them to live their lives. These Gentile followers of Yeshua as redeemed Gentiles, Gentiles who had come to know the God of Israel 
through Yeshua, the righteous Messiah, and live as redeemed Gentiles. While Paul rejected the circumcision of male Gentile Yeshua followers, he clearly endorsed the unique place Jews and Gentiles played in the body of Messiah, which included his continuing support for Jewish male circumcision, as demonstrated by circumcising Timothy, which we see in Acts 16. Paul based the good news he preached on the unity within the diversity of the body of Messiah. Gentiles as Gentiles, joining with the Jewish people to worship the one God of Israel, represented the fulfillment of the Messianic hope in the person of Yeshua. Let me read that again. The good news Paul preached was on the unity within the diversity of the body of Messiah. Gentiles as Gentiles, joining with Jewish the Jewish people to worship the one God of Israel, represented the fulfillment of the Messianic hope in the person of Yeshua. So joining together as fellow worshipers shows the opening of a relationship to the one true God of Israel for all humanity. Rather than against Judaism and Jewish practices, such as circumcision, Paul speaks against other Yeshua followers seeking to, to impose circumcision on Gentile converts to the Messianic faith. We have an intra-Messianic debate and not a polemic against Judaism and Jewish practice. Such a polemic, unfortunately, has been common interpretation since the second century to today. As I said, beginning with, with Justin Martyr and made, made most, most prominent in the homilies of John Chrysostom in the fourth century. Most Christian commentators view this verse, verse 2, as Paul's blanket opposition to circumcision for Yeshua following Jews, especially since the Greek word katatome used in this verse is translated as mutilated or mutilators. The over, overwhelming understanding in the commentaries, Christian commentaries on, on Philippians, is that in this verse, Paul is making a blanket rejection of circumcision for all Yeshua followers, including Jewish followers of Yeshua, and making a, a break with Jewish practice and Jewish tradition here, and calling the, the all followers of Yeshua to reject, reject Greek Malah, even for Jewish followers of Yeshua, and to step out of connection to Jewish life and Jewish practice. We know this is, is against what Paul is speaking about. Paul here is not speaking against Greek Malah, circumcision of Jews, Jewish males at the eight days, but specifically against false teachers who want to impose ritual circumcision on Gentile men who are coming to believe in Yeshua as Messiah and Lord. So if these false teachers were teaching some something about circumcision for Gentiles and that Gentiles, Gentile Yeshua followers needed to be circumcised to be fully part of the people of God, to have a higher status, or whatever it is, the question is not with it's not a, a polemic against Judaism, but it's against the false teaching that Gentile Yeshua followers, Gentiles who had come to faith in Yeshua, were not fully part of the people of God and needed to supplement their faith trust in Yeshua with the practice of circumcision, in essence, converting to Judaism after coming to Yeshua faith, that they're coming to Yeshua faith as righteous Gentiles, as becoming righteous Gentiles was not sufficient for them as to live 
among the people of God. And Paul is clearly against that teaching, that he, he makes it clear that Jews were to come to Yeshua as Jews and to order their lives according to the Torah and to circumcise their sons on the eighth day. And those Gentiles who came to Yeshua faith were to come to Yeshua faith on faith alone, in their faith in Yeshua, and by their trusting in Yeshua as the Messiah, as Lord and King. They were integrated into, they're grafted into the people of God, and they're fully part of the people of God as righteous Gentiles, and don't need any supplementation by circumcision or other ritual acts, but that they were part now of the people of God as redeemed Gentiles. And Paul has said, if he, if he was speaking against, against circumcision, it was against circumcision for Gentile Yeshua followers. And the false teaching that, 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 that was opposed to the, the Jerusalem Council, opposed to the, the teaching of the Messianic community, that Jews should come to Yeshua as Jews, Gentiles as Gentiles, and they're by their faith trust alone in Yeshua, and they would order their lives according to God's way of life as presented to them by Paul. And as we said, with the works of Nanos, we get it. We get a, a an opportunity to move away from this being having anything to do with with Judaism, Jewish practice, but that Paul was warning about about false teachings coming from the pagan world, and even even those those pagan worships that included activities like the 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 uh, the uh, work of the of the of those who were who were uh, defacing their bodies and even and even castrating themselves in their practice that somehow that was something that was similar to circumcision that these false practices could be something that the people in Philippi could adapt but Paul makes clear that the pure teaching is for them to stay following what they know and to to avoid the false teaching that could be coming them from from Jewish false teachers or from the pagan world of seeing and draw them back into their their pagan traditions of the past. Paul calls those in Philippi and us by example to understand our new life in the Messiah. We're Jews. We are to continue to live our lives as Jews, ordering our lives by Torah, with those non-Jews who come to Yeshua faith. By faith alone, they enter into the people of God and grafted into the olive tree of, of Israel as righteous Gentiles. And that is that is what what is the clear focus of this of this verse is the clear understanding that that there's no no uh, no need for Gentiles who have come to Yeshua faith to also convert to Judaism, be a part of the people of God. They're fully part of the God, people of God by their faith, trust, and alone. And Paul is, is clearly making here that uh, that the through, through his own practice and his own teaching that circumcision for for Jewish males is a continuing practice, which even he even shows in Acts 16 when he circumcised Timothy was not circumcised as a child. That Paul upholds Jewish tradition and Jewish practice and is calling people of Philippi to understand 
for the Jewish followers of Yeshua, they're continuing to live their lives within Judaism and Jewish practice and Torah life. And for those from Gentiles who are coming to faith in Philippi, to live their lives understanding that they're fully part of the people of God by their faith trust in Yeshua. So that will conclude our time today. And uh, we looked at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. We looked at the, at the, uh, as Paul's speaking about dogs, false, false teachers, and evil workers, and those who are mutilated. And we, we've contrasted the different views, whether it could be related to, to false teaching about circumcision, that there were false teachers coming to cause the people, of, the Gentile followers of Yeshua in Philippi, to also convert to Judaism after coming to Yeshua faith, which would be clearly against the, the teachings of the apostles and the, the Jerusalem council, where it was made clear that Gentiles were able to come to Yeshua faith solely through their faith trust in Yeshua. Or there's also, as we see from Nanos' work, that these people that Paul was warning about were from the, the pagan worship of Sibylle, or any of the other other religious cults in Philippi. He was calling them to avoid, understand that they needed to keep a pure faith in the one God of Israel and the Messiah of Israel that, that he had been taught about and which they've learned from the scriptures. So that will include our time for today. On uh, Monday, we'll be starting into verse 3 of chapter, uh, of chapter 3, verse 3. And we will continuing, as Paul is... is speaking about false teaching and calling people to Philippi to understand the true teaching that, he, that he's giving to them and the import of Yeshua in their life, that, that they, as mostly Gentile Yeshua followers, now redeemed Gentiles, need to have the complete focus of their life on Messiah Yeshua, and that everything else in life pales in comparison to knowing Yeshua and calls each, each of those in Philippi and us by example to draw ourselves to become more and more in the Messiah each day, because that is the most important thing in life, is to become more and more like the Messiah. So that will include our time today. Thank you for watching. And this is Letter to Philippi Live, a broadcast coming to you Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem Time. And we are on uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube Live, Twitter Live, and on our website, lettertophilippi.org. If you have any questions, go to lettertophilippi.org. You can ask any questions. You can leave a prayer request. I want to be praying for you. You can purchase a copy of my message and commentary on Philippians. You can make a, a much-needed contribution at the end of this year toward the work of, of Letter to Philippi as we seek to go into the next year, 2022. We need your financial support because we are an independent organization. We're an independent ministry. And we... we are, are not supported by any outside organization. We are solely supported by those who give to our work. You can do that on our website at lettertophilippi.org. If you've missed any of these classes, you can watch our previous classes online. And uh, we also have our, our Missing and Jewish book reviews that we have our first review up. And uh, on on Mark Danos' book on, on, uh, on uh, Corinthians and Philippians within Judaism, and we'll be adding at least two new, new, uh, 
new book reviews each month. We look at books by missing Jewish scholars and also in the academic world who, who look into the issues relative to missing Jewish theology. So thank you for watching. Again, this is Letter to Philippi Live. My name is Sean Emsley. I'm the founder of Letter to Philippi organization and the teacher of this class. And uh, we'll be seeing you next, next on Monday as we look at verse 3 of Philippians 3. And continuing as Paul is teaching about focusing our, our minds, focusing our lives on becoming more and more like the Messiah and understanding the centrality of Yeshua in our lives so that he, everything pales in comparison to knowing the Messiah. So for those, those in, in the, uh, who have yet to enter Shabbat, I give you an early Shabbat Shalom. Our brothers and sisters in Israel are already in the Shabbat. So uh, they more likely will see this this later later on uh, on one of the recordings. So Shabbat Shalom to everyone. We have a blessed Shabbos, and uh, we will come back on our next time together, looking at Philippians chapter three, verse three, as Paul continues to give this lesson against pride and focusing on the centrality, the preeminence of Yeshua in our lives. Everything in our lives pales in comparison to knowing Yeshua and becoming more and more like the Master. So just watch alone. Thank you for watching. And uh, again, if you have any any questions, go to letter to philippi.org. Thank you for watching. Shabbat shalom. And that will conclude our time for today. Thank you.